turned our recording on, so let me, let me talk for just a second if somebody is listening. But uh, what we've been doing is each of our groups have been assigned one of the, uh, one of the seven churches of Asia. They've got a series of questions to answer, uh, and then we're going to discuss them uh, here as a group. What I want us to do... Um, what I want us to do is we'll go through each one. You all are fully aware of the fact that they have questions that you've not seen. But if you'll flip the paper over to the back side, there is a series of yellow boxes. The same yellow box will pop up on the screen here in just a second. So if one person has the paper, everybody else should be able to see it as well. The questions are at least somewhat from that. So they'll pop up here on the screen uh, and we'll see it. I have a few things that I'm going to throw in along the way uh, as well. But um, this is about specific issues in each church. And a real quick note, each letter is addressed to the angel of the church. And there's a lot of interpretations that have been offered regarding the identity of the angels of the churches. Uh, angel is a messenger sent by God or by man or by Satan. John sees a spiritual vision comprised of seven lampstands representing the seven churches and seven stars in the right hand of Christ representing the angels of the seven churches. That's in chapter 1. One explanation proposes that an angel represents the inward spiritual character of the church while the lampstand, uh, while the lampstand or church is a light bearer to the world, provides the outward spiritual light. You can see that in Matthew 5 or Philippians, 4, uh, tw- uh, Philippians 2, 14 and 15. I'm reading a note from someone else. This is not necessarily my uh, saying for all of this. As the revelation of Jesus Christ is sent and signified by his angel unto John, it follows that the message to each church is revealed by Christ, the author, and addressed to the angel of each church, who in turn signifies the message to John. The angels are addressed, the churches are to hear. You can take with that what you want, but everything you read was written in red. You read, I don't think anybody had any part of their reading uh, that would have been in black. I think it was almost entirely, uh, if not all, in red. So it's all the words of Jesus. The first one. Uh, is Ephesus, and that's in my first group over here. This is described as the loveless church. For each of these, there seems to be something good, there seems to be something bad, and there's kind of something to go home with, uh, as it were. So, uh, group one, the commendation to this church includes what kind of things? What did they say? Uh, what, What was Jesus saying about the church at Ephesus? What were some good things that they mentioned? Patience, labor, labor, not bearing those who were evil, testing what will? False apostles apostles or teachers. And it also said they hated the deeds of the who? Nicolaitans. Nicolaitans. Now, it's not a whole lot known about the Nicolaitans, but some believe or describe them as a Gnostic uh, set from the time period. They seem to be equated with those that were mentioned. Some of you might have read about Balaam. Uh, and Jezebel. It seems to be some similarities there, but all together, the best way to describe them is sort of a group that seemed to represent immorality, compromise with idolatry, or something along those lines. Yes? So, Nicolette, they were a sex, what you just described. Right. They were in the church. Right. They were not outside looking at it. On the interior. Tolerating them. So, why not study that started with Nicholas and we read in Acts? One of the deacons first 
Not unlike a little bit of how we talked last week about how things can get jumbled within the church fairly easy. So back over here to Ephesus, your second question, what was the criticism, though, of the church? It has lost its first love. It had lost its first love. What does that mean? What do you think that meant? Group? Christians, when they first become Christians, they're on fire, they're passionate, they're giving something to do, giving something to do, they go around telling everybody, but over time, you see that fire, that fire cool down. And that the, the word there, the loveless church, uh, is mentioned. However, the third question that they had was, what would be the reward for those who repent? They would eat from the tree of life, mint, the pale of the God. So that seems like it's somewhat of an odd saying. You know, we might say heaven, it would be neat, but all of this is a sort of symbolic revelation. So the wording, all of your answers on your last question will probably be fairly similar, but it's like they're written differently uh, about each one. But the point of that being is that if we look at the second question, they lost their first love, that sounds bad, but is it fixable? And it, so the church at Ephesus could be described as loveless, but does that mean that the church of Ephesus will always be described as loveless? No. And so when any, with anything, if it's going through sort of a bad or a negative time, it can be fixed, but there would have to be work that would be included within it. All right? Let's go to the second one. This is the church uh, at Smyrna. And if you are in the, if you're looking at uh, the church at Smyrna, this is uh, verses 8 through 11. Uh, Jesus introduces himself as the first and last to the church in the city that would claim to be first. So Smyrna is described here as the persecuted church. I think we know what the word persecuted mean means, but let's look into it just a little bit. My second group right here. The Lord knows the works, tribulation, and poverty of this church and its opposition by blasphemous Jews called the what? The synagogue of Satan. What is a synagogue to Jewish people? The Jewish church is how we would relate to it. So if we're talking about in the first group, there are people that were within the church. There's also people that are outside of the church. And so this idea of persecution in Smyrna, you see there can be problems both inside and both outside of the church. How does it say in verse 10, group 2 here, how does it say that these saints would suffer? I knew. Put it prison. Put prison, yeah. Put it in prison. Anything else? There's a T word, I think. That was. To test and have tribulation. So, would you describe being put in prison for your religious beliefs as a test? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think being put in prison for anything would be a challenge, but being put in prison for religious beliefs would certainly be a test. The word tribulation is there. Have you ever heard the word tribulation used in a good way? It always means there's something bad uh, is about to happen. A lot of times the word trial goes before it, right? There's trials and tribulation uh, that is used. And that's how it's described here in uh, Smyrna. But now, just like there was a reward for Ephesus, what was the reward for the faithfulness of those in Smyrna? That they would receive a crown of life. Now, Will said a minute ago they'd eat from the tree of life. Kelly said there would be a crown of life. 
what do both of those things just really mean? Eternal life, right? And so we think about eating from a tree. That's something good, right? You know, get a, get a piece of fruit from a tree. Or a crown of life, you know. I don't know. Crowns may not do anything for me, but it's sort of a reward, an honor, or something. But there's some sort of positive end in both of these. So both of these were churches, in many cases, Ephesus, loveless, and kind of brought on themselves. Smyrna, persecuted, was dealing with outside sources. Both of those are things that we might have come in contact today, right? Might our church become loveless if we weren't careful? Yeah. Might there be persecutions from the outside? It absolutely could. Absolutely. And I think yes. the Smyrna here, the, the Navy, you know, you've got this done. Even if you're not doing anything wrong, you can still get in trouble. Right. You know, because of, the, because of outside influences. Absolutely. Okay. So let's go to the third one. This is Pergamos. Uh, Pergamum, uh, depending on, uh, a lot of times depending on if you're reading in Latin or Greek uh, on that. This is group three back here. This is called the Compromising Church right there. Guys, your first question. This church was commended for remaining fast and not denying its faith even when what happened? Antipas was, it says, the faithful martyr Antipas was killed. It sounds to me like in reading that, that this is somebody who went to their church and he was killed probably for his religious beliefs. Now, how might it be a challenge to a church if someone in the church was killed for their beliefs? How might that become a challenge to a church? You might be next. And I don't know why this guy was killed, but it would seem odd that the guy that was set beside you on Sunday wasn't there the next Sunday because of, you know, this. And, but it said that they were commended for what? What had they done, group three, in, in the first question? What had they done even though that guy had been killed? I'm on question one. I'm just back into it. It said they were commended for what? Yeah, for remain. I'm, I'm asking the words that I gave to you. You don't have to look for answers on this, but for remaining fast. And so, as with all of them, there's a combination. There's something good that they went through a difficult time, but that church is still there. They're still uh, remaining fast to the faith. Okay. Uh, now the second question, because we've seen it in number one, number two. What was the criticism of this church, Group Three at Pergamos? Okay. They uh, sexual immorality in the church, and uh, they went by the doctrine of Balaam. Balaam and the Nicolaitans. Uh, Nicolaitans again, right there. Balaam, uh, who we see here, it's written on. Uh, well, I don't know if it's written on your paper. It's written on mine. But who was unable to curse the people of God? Counseled Balak to send the daughters of Moab to entice the men of Israel to engage in lascivious worship. We talked a little bit about that a, a week or so ago, about how the, this guy knew what was right, but he worked for the king and kind of convinced, he told the king sort of a way that could uh, can trick the people, for lack of a better uh, way of describing it, uh, right there. But we've seen in group one, we've seen in group two, group three at Pergamos, what would be the reward for those who repent? All right, so a hidden manna and an inscribed stone. 
Now, we talk a lot about New Testament writers referring to Old Testament stories. What is hidden manna? Why would that have appealed or been something that would have made sense to the readers here? Absolutely. And who, who was provided manna from heaven? And what story in the Bible? So you, the, the Jews travel through. So this would have been a story. When, when I hear manna, I don't think, hey, come over to my house on Sunday, we're going to have manna. But I would think, oh, I was starving. And just, it was like manna from heaven. Like I ran to the corner and there was a gas station or whatever. That kind of, manna is maybe an unexpected gift bestowed upon you. Now the idea of this white inscribed stone, kind of unknown. But we see white a couple of different times. And white typically describes what? It typically describes purity. And I think there's white is mentioned maybe in a couple of other groups reading here as well. And so even going through their difficulties, they would still be sort of their name written on the stone, as it were. Uh, the, the purity, the group that earned it. So again, we've seen three different descriptions of a type of eternal life, but they're all three completely different. Yes, sir. And also, when he was in Rome, he was free from prison. Or found innocent, be given a white stone to prove that she was innocent or no longer under this conviction. Uh-huh. And I think that's what it's referring to there. All right, let's go to our fourth one. All right, fourth. One. Everybody, ready? they look nervous. They all three look nervous. I don't know. I don't know if they're, if they're with us or not here. We're counting on. Let's see. This is Linda and Annette and uh, let's see Ella. So this is Thyatira. This is described as the corrupt church. Uh, probably not a description that you would want tied to your name. But the first question, though, for them, the church was commended for its works of what? And I think there were four things. Patience, faith, service, and charity. Patience, faith, service, and charity or love. All four good things. If somebody walked in here and said, this church is to be commended for its love, its work, its faith, and its patience. Would that be a feather in the cap of the church? Yes. Those are things that we would all strive for. So notice it says the corrupt church, but question number one, that's, that's, that's the greatest thing you can hear. So the qu- saying question, what condemnation does the church receive? What was maybe a negative about the church? The teachings of Jezebel, as it were. Now, from what I've sort of read and looked at, whether Jezebel represents a specific person there, or if that's just a generic title, that could probably be debated. But the name Jezebel is a reference to the wife of King Ahab, who had influenced her husband to, uh, to, to introduce the worship of Baal into Israel. That's all the way back in 1 Kings. The Jezebel in Thyatira was teaching compromise, as Linda said there, fornication, eating of things, sacrificed to idols. There may have been a person named Jezebel. It's possible that that was just a broad name that was given. But either way, it was somebody introducing something that did not need to be introduced. But I've asked this question three times. I'll ask it a fourth time in your all's group back there at Thyatira. What was the reward for those who would hold fast?
Good. So all of those things sort of make it sound like you're in control, you're ruling, you're, you, you have power over other groups. And so if we go back to Tree of Eden and the Tree of Life, we go back to wearing a crown, you're seeing these kind of, you know, you have a, you're, you're fed by God and your name is on the, on the column, as it were, or whatever. All of these, again, is there is a reward. Even in the negative, it can still be fixed. Okay. Let's go to the next one. This is Sardis. This is the dead church. Probably not something that you would want to describe yours. But it says in verse chapter 3 and verse 1, you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Think about that for just a second. You have a name that you are alive, but you're dead. Have you ever known a church that could be described like that? An organization that exists and there's people that are there. If I went on Sunday at 11, there would be human beings sitting there, but they've not done anything in 40 years. You ever know? And what will eventually happen to that church? It will eventually for real die, but it may have been dead long before that. Uh, if we're thinking about it. All right, so this is, yes. I, I, don't, I don't watch much of this, but I saw something a couple years ago with interesting. There's a bunch of little cities in Kentucky that there was money available Right. They did not have any mayor. They did not have a council. They did not meet. Right. So they couldn't get the money because they were dead. Right. So that's not that's not the same thing. But it, sure. But it shows you that there's some little towns that exist in name only. Churches can do the same thing. They can exist in name only. It's funny. The exact thing I have written right here: the church was in a city that had a glorious past, but the city was careless, and it's now. Uh, dead. All right, so Lucille, you're all's group right there. The works of the church are not perfect. Oh, I'm sorry, Ellen. Yes. Yeah. So you have way more than I needed. And also, I'm not taking it up and grading it. So I, your, your grade will be fine anyway. But I had it narrowed down. You have uh, a lot more. But everything you just said is a great answer. Just, you're, you're good on that. So well, you, I won't make you stay after anything to do anything like that. All right. So the works, let's go here to my group five right here Lucille, Linda, Billy, and Sylvia. The works of this church at Sardis were not perfect. And it is told to be what? To be watchful and to strengthen the things which remain that because they are ready what? So what is the lesson there for a church to be watchful and to strengthen the things that remain? What do we need, what does the church need to be watchful for? To be on guard. What does it mean then to strengthen the things which remain? So we can't just say, oh man, church made a bad mistake 20 years ago and it is what it is. Well, that mistake might have cost members and it, you might have had 100 people and now you've got 10 people. But when is the time to fix it? Right then. Right then. It's always time. It better to do it now than uh, to, to, to do it uh, later. Also, to remember what they had what? 
received and heard, and to do what? So the, this is clearly a church that has been taught and knows what should be done. There's just been mistakes or negligence or whatever word you want to use that has prevented them uh, from doing it. They say you can still remember what you've been taught, what you've heard, and you can still fix it. Um, chapter th- Revelation 3 and verse 3, if the church doesn't watch, how will the Lord come? As a thief, and we've talked, you've heard this used a million times. If you knew a thief was coming to your house, you would be there, right? But thieves don't usually come to the house when you're there, right? Why do they come when you're not there? You don't know when they're going to come. Well, likewise, when will Jesus come? October 12, 2022 at 4 p.m. Eastern Time would be super specific, right? What would you be doing on October 12, 2022 at 3.50 p.m.? Right here. I got everything straightened out. I, I paid off my debts. I done, because why? Because that's the end. I want to make sure that it's done. But were you doing that because you were wanting to do what was right or were you trying to make sure you had the homework done before the teacher took it up? Your heart may not have been in it, but you're like kind of... So that's why we see there in Revelation 3 and 3 that it becomes a thief, but you've got to be watchful for it. Now, how do we... Well, let me, let's go on to the next one. What's the reward of those... Revelation 3 and 4... Revelation chapter 3, verses 4 and 5 says, What's the reward of those who had not defiled their garments? This is your third question, Lucille, Linda, and Bill and Sylvie. Uh huh. What was the reward? There you go. They said they would walk with Jesus. They would be clothed in white. So we come back to our white right there, and their names would be in the book of life. Now, that's probably the most specific heaven description. That actually probably fits the heaven description that we think about more than any. But once again, all five that we've seen so far have given some kind of reward, even with what you would describe as maybe something negative. All right, uh, this was Pat. And I, I, I did my math terrible, so we ended up with two groups of two uh, here at the end. But uh, Pat had earned it tonight. You know, he, he, he's worked hard tonight. This is the church at Philadelphia. Uh, this is described as the faithful uh, church right here. So <clears throat> how does Jesus intersel- introduce himself to this church? Don't have that one. So in verse chapter 3 and verse 7, uh, it'd help if I was on the right one. Chapter 3 and verse 7, uh, it says, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, I write, These things says he who is holy, who is true. Here's where your answer is. He who has the key of David. Okay? Who is David? The king of Israel. Why would it be nice to have the king's key? You can access anything, right? You can access. I have a master key for Garrett County High School, and I can't get into the janitor's room. I don't feel like I don't know why, but it doesn't really work as a master key if I can't get in to that one room. You got, you know, you got to go get a dolly or whatever. No, it doesn't work. But somebody's got the key that matters. And who's the most important person in the building? 
first person who's got the key is who you can go to. Well, Jesus describes uh, himself as having the key of David. We also see the word, the term keys to the kingdom used as well, right? Who would you like, to, if you want to get to the kingdom, you need to know the person who's got the keys, right? There's a reason that the word key is used in a couple of different ways. It's an object that turns a lock, but it's also main points or whatever that can get you somewhere. All right, do we have the second one? Second question. The church was commended for its little what? For its little strength, keeping what? Keeping his word and not what? And not denying his name. So again, we've got a commendation. We've got a well done here as it were. Now, I think in my second group here at Smyrna, the term synagogue of Satan was referenced. And we don't have time to dive into all of this. But those afflicting this church were described also as being the synagogue of Satan. Pat Maryland, did you see that word, that term used in your reading? Claiming to be Jews, but they were not. The, the real Jew was one inwardly circumcised in the heart, worshiping God in the spirit, rejoicing in Christ, what have you. What would become of those Jews? Absolutely. So those people who were Jewish, because that's who the gospel first went to. If they truly believed, and Isaac talked a little bit about this on Sunday night, that they would go and worship at the feet. Uh, Jesus. Your other question there, guys. Uh, how would the church be rewarded? All right. They would be kept from trial. And it said one other thing. They would be made of what? I don't know if y'all got this one or not. If you don't, it's Okay. Well, I have that they would also be made a pillar in the temple of God. Think about what a pillar, what's a pillar do? Hold something up. So if you take a pillar off, what's going to happen? Think about those big houses that have multiple columns in the front or the, the U.S. Capitol that's got columns around the top. Just removing one of those will do what to the structure? It'll, be, it'll weaken it, it'll damage it. It might completely destroy that uh, structure right there. But the church is rewarded, it said, that they would be made a pillar in the temple of God. So that church would be a part that would hold up heaven, as it were. I would hate to think that I was part of something that brought that, right? So again, we have a description here of some kind of reward that would go with it. All right, let's go to the last one. Uh, I would argue probably the most famous of the seven, the most well-known is the church at Laodicea, described as the lukewarm uh, church. First question, the criticisms here, what are its works and what would be the result? Neither hot nor cold, but not like the Goldilocks story, right? Where the one was too hot and one was too cold and the one that was just right, but it said that they were neither hot nor cold. And so, there's a reason maybe for that. The second question I had to answer, how does the church pride itself? How is it described? They were rich and, in, and they didn't need anything. Now, do we get that way sometimes? I got everything I need. I don't need anything else. Sometimes we get that way and we let it spill over into religion, right? 
Things are good. Things are fine. Don't worry about it. I don't really care one way or the other. We're, we're good. But it's describing them as, as neither hot nor cold. They're described as lukewarm. And it says here that they're rich and they're in need of nothing. Are we in need of things even if we are rich? And you can define rich however you want. What do we usually think of when we think of rich? We usually think of money, right? How many of you have, said, have ever said, it'd be, if I had enough money, I'd buy this or I'd do that? We've all made that comment, right? And it, it might be something necessary, but it might be something fun. If I had enough money, I'd take a tour around the world or something like that. Well, a lot of times we get, you know, it might get kind of frivolous uh, in, in that kind of thing. But if we're not careful when we have that, then we do what with that money? We start thinking about sort of using it for those other things and what gets left behind. Spiritual matters. You know, the, so they talk about the rich man, you know, it's easier you know, for a camel to go through an eye of the needle than a rich man to get to heaven. The point of that story is what? Don't put your money in riches. Now, Ben said the other day, he thought, it's just like, it doesn't mean it doesn't, it, you're not going to be, you're, it's not a sin to have money. That's not what it means. But it can be if we do what with it? We sort of stack it up. We sort of hold on to it. And we say, I, this is mine. I know the church could use it, but this is mine. And, you know, I'm not going do, uh, to do anything uh, that would maybe help. What? Uh-huh. Right. We're going to see that here in just a little bit uh, to, to finish here. What does Christ counsel the members to buy from him in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 18? They said they needs to buy what to become what? Gold. You need to get gold refined and fire from him to be rich. Well, they're already rich. He's like, nah, you're not rich. You need to get it from me. They need what kind of garments? White garments that'll clothe them. And he's probably saying this to people. So I got closets full of clothes. But this is what we've got right here. Uh, it said they needed what, uh, Sheila, to anoint their eyes? They needed salve to be, able to, uh, to, to be able to anoint their eyes. And what he's really saying right here is all this stuff that you think you have doesn't matter. What you really need comes from heaven. Comes from God. And if we get too worked up in all these things over here... We're forgetting about the things that come from God. Because what happens if we're not careful when we stack the money up? Who, who, who got that? Who did that? Who did this come from? My work. My efforts. My, my, my. And then when it's bad, then it's like, hey, God took it all away from me. Well, no, it wasn't yours to begin with right there. The last thing. Christ chastens those that he loves. Think about that for a second. We think about getting in trouble if we've done something wrong. But how many of you have ever gotten in trouble and the first thought that comes to your mind is a teacher or somebody's like, man, they don't, they never have that. We can fall into that real quick, right? Sometimes kids, you give you that at school, right? I don't like you. No, the reason I'm chasing you is why? I love you. I, I, I love you. I, that's, that's the point of this uh, right here. No, no. And so with each of these six that we've already seen, 
Number seven has it as well. There's a reward mentioned in Revelations 3, 19, 20, and 21. What's the reward for them? Eat with Jesus and sit with him on the throne. So in each of these cases... Yeah. studies for each group, but I hopefully you've seen that there was something positive for each one, right? But there was also something negative for each one. But if they would fix the negative, then there was a reward for them. I think our lesson for us tonight should be pretty obvious, and this is going to go into the invitation right here. The, the, the lesson for us here is that there is something good and positive to say about every single one of us, right? Almost everybody we come in contact with has positive attributes. But there's also something negative about every one of us. Some things that need to be fixed. The thing is, mine is different from yours. And yours is different from the person that's in the row with you or across the way from you. And so because of that, we have to address our own Issues. The church of Laodicea didn't really need to read about the church of Smyrna. And the church of Pergamos didn't really need to read about the church of Thyatira. They had their own issues. We too often start thinking about the church of Thyatira and the church of Smyrna and the church of Ephesus and we forget about the church right here. We think about that individually as well. We start pointing out the things that are wrong with others and forgetting I've got things that need to be fixed as well. The good thing is, though, every single one of these had a solution, right? It had a fix. And all seven churches were fixed in a way that they would have an eternal home in heaven. However you want to describe it. If it's a fruit, if it's a crown, if it's uh, sitting on the throne, whatever it is, they all ended up in the same spot. But there had to be a solution, there had to be a fix there in the process. And the point of the church the point of us together is to provide that fix and hopefully that solution uh, for you as well. So whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever the issue, if there's any way that we can help you, we'd certainly invite you to come and understand. Thank you.